Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Branion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Ah, uh, there's so much room here. So much room for Carl. Tammy just stepped out. She sat Warren unceremoniously on the ground here next to me and threw a plastic ruler at him. Yep. And you can do that with the with children. You can just throw them whatever random thing and they'll play with it. Mm, with up to a certain point. Even Warren was not impressed with the cup and the towel and the small like wooden spoon I gave him the other day. No? Because he was just done. He was done with all of it. Right. But but a ruler that was just the first thing that wasn't when it was in reach and so she grabbed it off the table, hurled it on the floor next to her son. I did not. Here, play with we this. Have a house full of kids. It's a party. It's a party. What kind of party is it, Tabby? Yeah, I I don't know if I'm allowed to even speak the word. I don't want oh I don't want you to get copyrighted. I don't want to cause this podcast to get fined. Tabby. It's the birth it's no, I'm sorry. It's the party that shall not be named. Tabby is convinced that happy birthday is not a song that could be sung without proper licensing. From who? Specifically from who, Tabby? Please tell Carl. <laughs> tell Carl who owns, who owns the, right the rights to Happy, to happy birthday. birthday. Go ahead. Before, no, just before he accidentally sings it and incurs. Just a second ago, fines. you were very, very proudly, very assuredly, self confidently announcing it, and now you're not going to say it. Go ahead. <laughs> it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> not afraid I'm sorry. to say it. Or his estate, because he's now since passed. He's deceased. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So Michael Jackson's estate owns. Owns happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yes, it's yeah. not public domain. And so that's the reason that when you go into restaurants, according to Tabitha, <laughs> when you go into restaurants, they have a tricked up song that they sing that's not traditional happy birthday. And she says that's because... Because they'd have to pay Michael Jackson. That's because they'd have to pay Michael Jackson's Correct. estate. And they're afraid that the thousands upon thousands of <laughs> agents roaming around the country <laughs> making sure... The happy birthday is not so. No, I am sure there are some rogue businesses out there. Like, I'm sure a small local business here in Indiana <laughs> probably just sings happy birthday. But if you're a big multi-million dollar chain, they're coming for you. Mm -hmm. It's not public domain. Right. So what I was saying was... This has been a public service announcement. We have a lot of kids door. here. They're all tricked up on cake, on... Cherry delight. Well, speaking of which, I haven't had any of that yet. Oh so. well, we are going to have to pause one I way or another. Some. It's definitely going to happen. So, oh, Carl, it's got like graham cracker crust. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It's graham cracker crust, and it's got cream cheese and whipped cream and stuff, and cherry. Yeah. Gunk poured cherry all over gunk. the top of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. Yeah. So there's just not enough of it. There's there's only like a half an acre of it <laughs> out in the kitchen. This and is it's how not enough. To, this is how we used to record when we just kind of hit record 
knowing full well that it wasn't going to go real long, not knowing for sure how long we would be able to talk before we'd have to pause. But it, we're going to pause today because I have to put my kids down for rest once they're done eating the dinner portion of their food. So we're planning to be interrupted. Yeah, it's going to happen. And then you can have some of your dessert. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's my birthday today. And, and he is 108 a years old. Oh, 14 years old. Luke and old. I technically, and our kids already celebrated. Yes, that was <laughs> one of my favorite things about this birthday is uh, Mandy sent me a text yesterday and <laughs> said, oh, I don't have my phone with me because the text exchange was pretty entertaining. She goes, uh, I said, what, are you at Lighthouse? Are you at Lighthouse? And I said, yes. And you said, well, that's dumb. That's dumb. And I said, why? And you said, well, we were going to take you out and celebrate your birthday. This was yesterday. Yes, and I then, was here. And then I she was said, there. we might do it anyway without you. <laughs> Tabby and Joe were here when I said that. I was like, he says he's busy. Maybe we should all go out anyway. Right. Well, because we weren't sure. I was like, well, he it's going to be hard to do it on his birthday. Maybe we should stick around and we'll go too. And it'll be a big take dad out for his birthday. And yeah. And then I couldn't because yeah. I had to do you Lighthouse last night. But it. no matter. But they went anyway and we sent went, me a picture. <laughs> Luke and I went with our kids. Sent me a picture of their family gathered. It looked like Texas Roadhouse. Oh, no, yeah. Fazoli's. Fazoli's, yeah. And uh, sitting around the table. Did you have somebody else take the picture? No, he sat it up on the windowsill and hit the timer. Ah, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. no one was even holding the camera. I thought you had somebody else do it. And yeah, they were. it was like, happy birthday. We're celebrating Dad's birthday without him. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not even there. It was great. And then she goes, the original plan was to have burgers, cheeseburgers. Yes. But then I realized I didn't have buns, dot, dot, dot. Or burgers. <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah, that's true. I knew I didn't have lettuce, and I thought, oh, man, I may have to, like, run and grab some lettuce, or we can just buns. go without it, without it. And then I looked in the cabinet, and I'm like, well, I have one bun, so that's really annoying. And then I went out to the freezer to see if there was something else I could do instead of burgers, and that's when I realized... I don't even have any frozen burger patties out here. Nothing. So the cheeseburgers were just going to be cheese. <laughs> All I had was just a piece mm, of cheese on a paper plate. I had some plate. pickles and onions and uh, to- tomato ketchup. Just fixins. Yeah. I'm just going to have burger fixins. I eat a salad. Yeah. <laughs> My kids would have loved that. We're yeah. having cheeseburgers, kids. Everybody sit down. There's no bun. There's no burger. No Here's bun, a salad. No Except, burger. again, I didn't have the lettuce. So I was, yeah, I was bad. That was in bad shape. You're just going to have a tomato and cheese. What? There, that's a thing, isn't it? Isn't tomato, tomato and, and cheese American a, cheese? Yeah, a dish. Uh, I think you're thinking of like a stuffed peppers, mm-hmm. but crazy oh, like Caprice salad, no. easy salad. No, but then, again, it's a there's thing. There's normally a protein in there, like egg. Cheese or, is a protein. Yeah, uh, tomato is not. Oh look, Silas is here. What oh, you, you know what I think it is? I think that. Uh, the for. tomato and cheese is actually owned by the Michael Jackson estate. <laughs> yeah, so it is. You guys had eaten it. So if you eat just tomato and cheese, <laughs> it's called a happy birthday tomato. You were getting big, big trouble. Again, I'd like to reiterate, if you're singing happy birthday at your private gatherings, that is totally fine, but you cannot commercialize it. You can't make a profit. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be selling it from your own backyard. You cannot be turning a profit with happy birthday. Right, right. And so that's our, our, message, and, <laughs> our message and warning to you is, uh, you know, be, be considerate. 
and be be mindful of the law. I'm going to ask JT. I'm going. I'm going to put Simon to bed. I'm going to ask JT. Okay. You're going to feel stupid. All right, Simon is going to bed. And uh, Warren, is Warren going to bed with his haircut? <laughs> well, he has to. It's the only place he can go with it. <laughs> yeah, because he cut his hair yesterday. He took a big chunk out of the back of it. It's not large. It's, it's just noticeable. Big, it's a big enough chunk that you like, wow, somebody took a chunk out of his hair. It doesn't look like uh, it requires, it's supposed to. It requires a picture because when I did it, I was poloing the girls, and so he's on my hip, and I'm like, here's Warren. We cut his hair. Hooray. And then I flipped him over and was and like, he was. here's his hair. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. What's, what's great about giving children awful haircuts is they just don't even care. Oh. I mean, you, everybody, we were laughing at him, and he doesn't care. He doesn't know. Well, the nice thing about it being a baby is that they still look cute. So yeah, they do. even though he's got do. an awful haircut, he looks cute. He d- he's, yeah. All right. So uh, I don't have, I had a couple of things that we could talk about, but they just seem, they just seem unhappy and, and dour. Not, not birthday enough. Mm-mm. Well, here's the thing. Neither one of us have our phones and my kids are asking for, their cakes. So we're gonna pause and can come up some with of, something. To can talk I eat about. some of my stuff too? Only when you come up with something to talk about on the podcast. Okay, I'll think about it, and we'll be right back. Bye, 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 bye Tabs. Bye. She's leaving. She's not gonna stay with us for the rest remainder of this podcast. Mike. Well, I wasn't truly, I wasn't truly planning on it. I would be an unwelcome guest. You were, you were totally welcome. What's, as what's long as. I was the Newman in this group. <laughs> the Newman. I know. I heard, but I don't know if Carl could hear. Uh, so, so I taught at uh, at Lighthouse yesterday, and I taught about. Um, uh, I, I talked from taught from First Thessalonians, same thing as I taught about on Sunday, and we're going to be going to a another church in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And is that weird? Is it weird to ask people to go to a church that isn't their regular church? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. People like the idea, I think. If you were to explain, oh, well, churches need to do more things together, mm-hmm. they would be down with that. They'd be like, yeah, across the denominational barriers. Yes, we should shake hands with our brothers and sisters from other congregations. Mm-hmm. But especially on a Sunday, I don't think people would normally go... Yeah, I'm just going to go on a Sunday to a different church. Because, to a different gathering. Because if I was going to go to another church on a Sunday, I might as well keep going to that church or other churches every Sunday. What's to prevent me from actually becoming a member at this other church? Well, what's to prevent you from just never going to church again on a Sunday? Right. Right? That's, that's how people feel. They start to have an existential crisis if you go too far into the why don't we or why do we. Why do we do this? Why don't we do that? So, but isn't it, is, isn't that a good thing to do, though? To, to have an be, existential crisis? No, not to have an existential crisis, but to evaluate and to, and to sort of contemplate your motivations for doing things. I'm not suggesting that we go to that church henceforth and forever from now on, but okay. what's but wrong? But why with, aren't you? 
<laughs> why aren't you suggesting? What are you trying that? to give me a crisis? Yeah, I'm trying to. Why? Why does it have to be that? I mean, why do does do people do people think like you, or are you are you weird in that that I don't think people ask that question. I don't think well, people visiting a church on Sunday would go, hey, why don't I just go to here every Sunday? You asked if it was weird to go to another church on Sunday, and then you just answered your own question. Yes, because people don't think about it. They don't They don't ask themselves why I shouldn't go to this church anytime. Mm-hmm. And then if they are going to go scout for other churches, it's usually because they're frustrated with what's going on at the current one. That's weird, they're because I do shopping. think about it. I think about it. Like almost every week, I think about, well, this is the church that I go to, not because it's the only church I could go to, but because it's the church that I go to. Just like like being married. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the person that I'm married to. Not that I couldn't be married to other people, but I'm not. This is my Yeah, that's this is my spouse. You you're asking a different but, question. But now. that doesn't mean that I can't go to another family's place and eat dinner. It does once. mean that you're weird. It does mean that you're weird, which was your question. How common is it for people in one church to get together and say, okay, mark your calendars because in five weeks or six weeks or whatever, mm-hmm. we're going to meet not here, not where we are now. But we're going to go to a different congregation because I'm preaching right. that day. The only time that ever happened that I can remember in my own life was when my sociology class in college decided to go and it was homework like the teacher the professor organized a trip to the all-black church in fort wayne right so that we white kids could go and experience experience some culture black church and Mm -hmm. so that was uh that was on a sunday morning just a normal sunday where she said instead of going to your normal church your home church we're gonna all go together as a class to this church and did they know that you were coming i yeah i think they did because she knew the preacher there so. Well, see, that was more of a, it's like a field trip. Right. What would you call this? What's, what's the difference between... I don't know. I hadn't... Planning to go as well, a class just, and planning to go as a Sunday school I class. I just am friends with the guy who's the pastor, preacher at this church, and he asked me to come and speak. And right. so I, Carl, to bring you up to speed, talked to the people at my church who are in my Sunday service, and I said, a few weeks from now, I'm going to be preaching at this other church. Y'all should come with me, and we'll right. go together. And I'm just having some thoughts that maybe some people and are maybe that's weird. weirded out okay, about Okay, well, that. I'm trying to put those thoughts to bed. Yes, it's weird. Yes, people think it's weird. There yeah. you go. What else would you like to know? Because there's no other places, or I can't say no other places, but there are very few other places that would even have a situation where you could invite the congregation to go with you. Most of the time when a preacher or a speaker goes to another church to speak, That's he gets true. a substitute to That's speak true. at his home church. He doesn't take the church with him because there's more than like 15 people in his service for one thing. For another thing, he's often getting on an airplane or somewhere going far. far now he's not far. going 20 minutes away. Right. And for a third thing, mm-hmm. because the people who are at, his home church are gathering together. Uh, that's their weekly. That's their weekly family reunion. Like mm-hmm. they they go and they're glad to be meeting together, and and so it would be weird for you to say, hey, instead let's just go to this other person's family meeting. You you mentioned going to another family's house for dinner, which is a thing that happens, right. but you wouldn't wait until we had planned. 
a birthday party here at my house and then say, all right, everybody, let's go let's over. Let's go to a different house. To this person's house for dinner tonight. It's like, well, we already have plans. We okay. have standing plans to meet here at this place. Okay, what you say is making sense to me. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question that I'm pondering is, don't we talk about uh, unity? Don't we talk about how we are all like together in, in Christendom? Yes. And then, but we don't really mean, and and I don't think we should mean that we're literally meeting together, that we're all no, well, gathering together in one place. I think people would be place. more comfortable with it if it was a Tuesday or a Monday or a Friday Instead of a Sunday. any other day of the week, because again, there's already a service that everybody who goes to your home church is planning to be at. So you're asking them to change their plans to go to somebody else's event. Now, if we were getting together on well, but not the ones in our group. The ones in our group, if if we're all because it's such a small group. That's why I mentioned that. That was point two. Remember, there's more than 15 people in other Mm -hmm. people's situation, but not in yours. But yeah, that. That's what makes this a weird circumstance that allows you to even consider moving everybody over for a week. Well, I've heard people talk about the problem, quote unquote, of all of the denominationalism, the dividedness, the numbers of different congregations meeting together. And when they talk about that, they talk about it like it's a problem. But is it? I mean, is it really a problem that there are seven churches on the street where our church is and they all kind of do their thing and uh yeah, I th- independent of yeah each other? i think it's less effective than if we had a little bit more communication and team teamwork i think if we knew each other that we could probably do more and there have been times where they do like there have been times where churches will get together for a citywide event mm-hmm. and they'll like take out booth space at a you know, convention or they'll be in a parade as the, you know, the church section of the parade or whatever. Like there's, I can think of situations uh, many years ago, they put on a, a interdenominational, interdenominational, yeah, musical, the passion play. I remember that. And so that was there. Whenever you say to people, hey, we should reach across the aisle and, and do it and thing. have unity. They're usually on board. That's why I said that people. But are they? I, I don't. That. I don't know that. I. I agree. I remember those things that we did. But not everybody is that. Yes. Uh, is that warm to the idea? Yes, we, they are. We no, they're not. We <laughs> yes, did they a. Are. We did a a church a community church event years ago when we had uh, a comedy show, and I went uh. around to the I went around to the churches and said, hey. We're having this comedy show. Uh, Tim Hawkins was coming in, me, Dave Pendleton, somebody else too. I can't remember. But there was several of us, and we were doing a show at the Johanning, and it was a church-wide event in that the churches from all over the community were invited. And I went to one particular church, and the, the pastor, I talked to the pastor, and he said, well... Normally, if we were going to do something like this, we would just do it ourselves. And I right. said, "Right, but that's this is a this is a right. effort." I'm not talking about like everybody getting together to bowl or everybody getting together to have a carnival. You're or talking something. about everybody getting together for worship I'm, on Sunday. I'm talking about if you ask churches to jump in and and help you sponsor 
a missions trip, you know, or something like that, they are generally on board with that. When you market it as we're all coming together for the sake of unity, people are on board. People love the idea of unity. That's that's well established. In fact, they're way, 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 way more open to the idea of all of us being unified than all of us debating or arguing or bickering over denominational, like uh, over doctrine. Nobody wants to have a debate. Nobody wants to bring apologists in from different backgrounds so that they can emphasize what they have that's not in common. Nobody wants to talk about the things that, like, uh, the pedo baptism versus the credo baptism. Nobody wants to do that because it's mm. sticky and it causes division. Everybody likes the idea of looking past all of that and and doing the thing and together, kumbayaing it up. As long as we don't do it on Sunday, well, or on a on a Wednesday night if that's the way. As long as we don't do it during a time when something else is already. Yeah. You're not kind gonna of. you're not gonna suddenly convince all the churches to drop their standard practice for Christmas. And just do one great big Christmas Eve service because they all already have plans for their Christmas Eve traditions. They already have things that they look forward to and that they're pretty pleased with themselves about. And they're not going to just same with Easter. We're not now. Now that said, what about St. Patrick's Day? If you bring up December tenth, I'm just pulling this date out of the air. I don't even know what day of the week the tenth is. I just said St. Patrick's Day. If it's Sunday, ignore this example and pretend I said (laughs) eleventh. Uh, if it's December the first week or two, and it's not Christmas yet, uh-huh. and it's not a Sunday, and you say, hey, let's do a church-wide Christmas thing. Let's do, you know, some kind of a fundraiser slash ministry opportunity where all of the churches in the city can kind of bring awareness to the season and work together to to worship. Okay. Then they'd probably be, you'd get more buy-in people would be more interested and that's not to say that it's going to have 30,000 people there but Mm -hmm. but yes people like the idea of working together far more than they like the idea of staying in your bubble because we talked about that right talked about how people are turned off by the idea of being in a bubble or being in your comfort zone or being cloistered in this echo chamber because Mm -hmm. they've been told over and over again that that's bad so they want to reach outside of their church bubble right but our but our conversation about that was is it is it bad to be in your cloistered bubble right but then you open this conversation by pointing out you have invited everybody from our church to go to another church on a sunday right to get out of our cloistered bubble right to go meet with people who they don't know. Ostensibly are other Christians, but mm-hmm. we've never actually met them and haven't visited the church before, don't know. Well, my connection with them is through a parachurch ministry that we're all involved in. And so it was me right. getting outside of my located church ministry and doing and partnering with another person right. to do a... To do a thing, and a guy, a guy that I don't necessarily agree right down the line with on everything. Like his views about baptism were a little strange, I think, but but not so strange that I. Right. But even the fact that you know his views on baptism and know what your own views on baptism are, that's weird. So I just keep coming really? back to the question you asked about: Is this weird? And it, and the answer is yes. If I you got define it. weird as I'm like weird. abnormal or un like uncommon, then yeah, most people don't think about those things. They don't. Gosh. They don't pull back the layers of their beliefs and ask, why am I doing this? It's Sunday. I'm going to drive by on autopilot to the same place that I go every Sunday right. until I get ticked off. And then I'm going to go to the next closest church or somewhere that my coworker goes to. 
Right. So that's how that's how people operate. Well, that was essentially what I was trying to get at is what how do people think about their I guess Sunday ritual? How do they They don't they just they don't, don't think about it. And when they do finally start thinking about it, that's when people leave and don't ever come back at all. They're like, I might as well be fishing. I might as well go out in a boat or go to the ball field. I can worship. I feel closer to God when I'm watching my kids score a perfect home run. <laughs> I feel better about it. So that's my God. <laughs> or I should say God is there. God is there on the field. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you think that's, that's normal. You think yeah. that's what normal people think. Yeah. Well, and again, but strange people think about normal. I'm pretty sure that the largest denomination in America is the Southern Baptist denomination. Mm-hmm. And, and so I grew up with a lot of connections to a lot of different Baptist churches and Baptist schools and things like that. And so, and, and evangelical, like even if it wasn't a Baptist church, like we can kind well, of, we should lump- probably unpack pack that just a little bit uh, in case Carl hasn't been with us before but because you're my daughter annoyed as soon as as soon as i say baptist well no it's just you're my daughter and you say i grew up thinking believing this certain thing but i didn't you didn't get it from me everywhere we We go sent you to a church we sent you to a school that was a different denomination than the church that we sort of but like i i don't think i feel like the american church at large it's the same denomination. It's just one big g- denomination because yeah. I've I have been in hundreds of churches and everywhere we've gone, no matter where we've moved, where we've where we've lived or traveled. Interesting. Everywhere I've walked in, I've felt the same general ease, like the so same comfort these, level with all of these, these places. Th- these uh, this denominationalism that everybody's kind of leery of or afraid of, you think is unjust unjustified it's it's never made sense to me because we make too big a deal out of it because everywhere i go people are talking about the problem with denominationalism Uh no matter what denomination i walk into no denomination says we are thrilled to death to be this denomination they all it's also full of people the the pews and the chairs whatever they have they're full of people (laughs) who don't know what the church is is another thing we need to argue about they don't know what their church is supposed to believe they can't articulate the difference between their specific church and the church that they left down the street other than like shallow maybe taste of music and paint color and things like they really don't know what the big deal is with and so it's similar to what how people are all becoming like the same the same religion through social media like everybody's on social media now everybody's watching the same general television programs and listening to the same music and they're watching and looking at the same memes on their news feeds Mm. and so they're becoming alike they have a certain scent about them and a certain flavor that they all exhibit whether they're aware of it or not and is there a name for it i don't know i I just call it american culture american religion yeah religiosity i guess american american version of christianity american christendom but it's it's hard to describe except that i've just i've been to many many different places lots of conferences lots of uh I've read lots of people's, you know, blogs and listened to podcasts and, and everywhere That's we true. go, That's it's true. We've pretty been much the pretty, same. We've, I've moved around quite a bit in different denominations. I've been to, I think I've been to all of them. I've been to Lutherans. I've been to, I've even been to some Unitarian churches. Yes, I know. I've booked the shows. And yeah, it is. From tiny little like window air conditioned farm churches in mm-hmm. a cornfield somewhere 
to and these massive, giant ugly concrete tombs known as uh, modern mega churches. Yeah, I've been to all of them. Yeah, with ten thousand plus members. Yeah, and done it all. So, gosh, so this uh, this denominationalism that everybody is kind of opposed to. Mm-hmm. Your thesis is that it is. It's not that big a deal. I'm not saying that there are that we're really no not that different. different. I'm not saying that there are no differences. No, I'm but you're not saying churches, there's no differences, but the differences are not, they're not, you don't feel them like no, when you walk into a... I'm not even necessarily saying that. Individuals within the church buildings do have strong differences of opinion often. That's true but, within each church, but, but not just yes, each What I'm saying is that each church building has that has that about it. So right. we have that in common. What we have in common is that all of us have members in our churches that don't have any idea what they believe. And we have somebody else, you know, other members. <laughs> well, your members suggestion who, was that that's most Christians. Yes. Well, yeah, most Christians. Because and I then, said it was, I was asking if it was weird and you said, yes, it's weird to think about it because most people don't. Right. That's correct. But then also most, every church or most churches have a group of people who actually do know what they believe and maybe do study their Bible, but they're not really sure how to talk to the rest of the people in the church about it because they have this like almost language barrier. It, it, obviously, they're all speaking English for the most part, but they don't really know how to communicate clearly with each other. And so like 90% of our problems for the majority of our life is how do we live in community? How, we, how do we have this corporate, you know, <laughs> this corporate uh, functioning that we're supposed to be doing when Joe over there is really passionate about whatever everybody knows Joe is passionate about. Right. And, you know, Bob on the other side of the he congregation. He says amen during the sermon. Bob on the other side of the congregation feels very strongly about this other thing. And and we're going to have problems with Betty if we change this or that other thing. And so you spend a lot of time just trying to, first of all, learn what people's triggers are. And then second of all, not triggering, figure them. out how to work with it, work, work within it. What's what, what matters? What's an important distinction versus what doesn't. And what I'm just saying is that Betty and Joe and, and Bob, they exist in every single church building that I've ever been to. And so regardless when you, of the denomination. you step out a ways, you're like, well, wait, what's the difference here? Like, right. Betty, regardless of the doctrine. And that's when you right. go, well, why don't we just all meet together? Because then we would have six <laughs> Bettys and six Bobs and six Joes, and they'd all drive so, each other crazy. So the individual churches are to keep the weirdos from oversaturating any particular body. One of the things, one of the things Bob feels very strongly about is that he's a Presbyterian. We he gotta, knows that. And if you start referring Bob. to him as non-denominational, you're going to have a big fire. There's up. a big fight with Bob because yes. he is not non-denominational. Right. So one he thing is. that all three of them can agree on, for whatever reason, all three of them agree. That is that Bob is Presbyterian. We're all, well, now we're all Presbyterian because we all go to Bob's church, right? Ah, so we are okay. now Presbyterian. You put that on the church building and everybody's happy for a minute. But, but, but don't it's really tell only any Bob. Them, it's only Bob that has really strong convictions about that. Don't tell any of them that if you peeked in the windows at the church right down the street, you'd find the exact same debate going on, except that in that case. Except it's Betty. They've all decided Baptist is the way to go. And they're Baptists. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> are you sure this is right? I'm pretty sure. Are I, you sure you're right about this? I have been I've been intimately involved in the like corporal body, the body of believers in two different private schools, right. and I would say at least a dozen different churches because of living in well, we, Fort Wayne I lived in Fort Wayne and in Kokomo that I remember in my adult life, right. and then before that we 
we grew up in Kentucky or spent my preschool years in Kentucky. Yeah. And so that's just my experience in, you know, <sighs> the Midwest plus places that we visited. And everywhere I've gone and talking to people, listening to what the drama is in their particular, you know, sector, this is what they're talking about. They're like, oh, yeah, you know how it is when... You know how Bob is. You know how it is when you got a person who's just really, really convinced that everybody needs to wear ties. And I'm like, well, I kind of know, but it literally is just like one person in most cases. Well, I actually do know what it's like when you're supposed to wear a tie. Right. Because I... But it's like one person and even that yeah, one a, person a couple there was a few people in this one or you know what you may be right it may be just one really loud person yes. that everybody else is afraid of it's always one dude and then when you talk to that particular dude about it even that one dude you can eventually get to say things like well yeah god's not gonna send you to hell for not wearing a tie i acknowledge that but, but i will yeah and then he goes on to, to detail why <laughs> i will it still make matters. your life hell on earth but if you don't put a tie on. But what's really frustrating is that it, the problem you're running into isn't even about the tie. Like when you start to realize the problem is one of emotions versus like unclear communication. When you realize that Bob is saying things to you with his lips that he doesn't even really mean with his brain because he's just, he's emoting out loud. We've talked about and this is before. And is that because he's... Uh... He's carrying some fear about it. I don't. Is it anxiety? This I don't know. This is something know. that he was passed on to him. I think. And he's never questioned it, like you said before. It could so be. So he's just adopted it as the. I don't know. I'm only 30, going to be 35 this year. I have many, many more years of interacting with the Why Bobs. Why am I even talking to you then? Before I can You're really no use to pick, me. A, pick apart their and dissect their motives. Like I'm still asking very, a great many questions about these people. All I know is I've found this cast of characters in every group <laughs> I've ever been in. And you just start to, you just check them off the box. It's like bingo. Right. Like, whoop, there's, there's that one. True. There's this other one. There's That's the guy true. who's this so way. So maybe they are a denomination. <laughs> you, maybe, you they're, maybe they're a denomination scattered among all the other denominations. I, I don't, depends on it's how you refer, people. what do you define as denomination? They're a category of people. Right. They're a type. They, they all, those people in every church think kind of the same. Yeah. And so they should form a but church. It's a, no, it's like a mistake. Like those three people from each church should form a no. church. It's a mistake to think that people who already think very similarly are somehow able to function because they're not. Ah, why is that? Then they don't think similarly. Opposites attract. No, they do. They think similarly, and they cannot and they, work they together. They think similarly in that they can't get along with people. Yeah, well, that's what ends up happening. But they don't, I don't know why God made it this way, but you actually need people who are different from yourself you in order to... contrary people. Yeah. In order to make things work. You need variety. That's true. So, Every, that's true. Everything is sort of a, uh, there has to be down if there's going to be up. There has to be left if there's going to be right. I don't get it. I just know that, like, you get this mix of people when you look, you just kind of look at naturally what happens. And pretty soon it's hard to tell the difference from the outside between the churches because they have this, this range of people. They've got this sort of spectrum of different personalities that have right. somehow landed together. And there's and, a but lot see, of overturn. That's why it's so interesting that people, that people don't want to, People are uncomfortable meeting with another group because well, no, they, no. in their minds they're like, well, this not is not everybody group. is. It, no, people like me are not because right. I'm weird. And you're the one at Fairfield who thinks like this. You're the guy. 
Your name, we'll call you Jeff. I don't know why we won't call you John. Why won't you call me by my name? <laughs> you're going to be why? the Jeff guy. Because you weren't the first guy to think like this. Why do you have to give me an alias? Because because there's a Jeff somewhere out there who was guy one. He was ground zero. <laughs> you're just like him. <laughs> How do you know it wasn't John? It wasn't. How do you know there's not a patient zero it that's couldn't have named been. John? Nope, it couldn't have been. <laughs> Everybody who thinks like you is a Jeff. <laughs> Including okay. you. All right, go ahead. Go on with your illustration. So you you think that way, and it's weird among our friends because they're all the Joes and the Bettys and everything. And uh-huh. so you're, you're is that their real name, by the way, or Jeff. are they also? No, I thought I made it clear before names. that everybody in every church who thinks that way is a particular name. Okay. Somebody who somebody who like is so I'm capable, the Jeff in our church. Yeah, somebody who's t- capable of kind of seeing everything in a big picture kind of way, but it's kind of cynical about and there it. There is another Jeff in the church. What if there's no Jeff? What if there's no Jeff in the church we're going to on Sunday? Well, it's going to weird everybody out except me. Right, right. If we're visiting a place where they're not used to having a Jeff, then things get really <laughs> interesting. Oh, this could be terrible. This could be a disaster. I have a feeling like Lucretia is about to be really. Really upset. Cruella. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so that's... I never... That's Church Theory 101. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, I think I think it makes sense. But in the back of my mind, I'm still... I'm still perplexed by the, by the notion that everybody kind of feels like that, that we should be... We should be together... But at the same time, we can't be together. That's just the because cultural... then Jeff and Lucretia and Betty <laughs> gonna fight. would be out of sorts. Well, okay, I'm reading um, "Rise and Fall of the Modern Man" mm-hmm. by Carl Truman. Right, this people who are regular listeners to other podcasts in the Fight Laugh East Network are probably already familiar. They know with all this about this because everybody's been recommending it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. I really like it so far. And he's referring to. The way that our culture has become a psychologized culture. Uh-huh. We went from doing things for the good of the community, more or less. Like, And I say we, I mean like humanity and early Americans. To doing things for the good of the individual. Self. Like self. It's the rise and fall of the, the uh, modern man is all about the emergence of the self. Right. That's what the subheading is. I don't remember the subtitle word for word, but it's it refers to... Um, this, the beginning of the sexual revolution and the discovery of the self, something like that. That's that part's a paraphrase. Right. Um, but but yeah, like this idea that hmm. we should look within to find out what's going to make us happy, and that that's going to make that's us a more complete Eastern person. mysticism, isn't it? I don't think so. It's, no. It started well. He points back to Karl Marx and Freud and um, uh, Charles Taylor. I think is the name of the guy. It's something Taylor. I might not have the first name right. Well, the Eastern mystics have been looking inward for a long time. Not really, because you're trying to escape yourself and join the void. And we've talked Uh, before about how confusing uh, it is and illogical it is. But the more illogical, the better, because logic is just way too earthly. And so this the premise is that we are we are psych. Psychologized, and that means that we are intensely interested in what is going to be best for me. Right, and we also Not get to us. We also get to uh, uh, create our own identity. That's super important to somebody who because it's it's um, violence or oppression. It's it's oppression when somebody else tries to tell you how to live because right. they're outside of you. And so here they don't you know are. Your, 
Truth. This, you're this little king of your own, you know, existence, this little, a god of your own um, world. Right. And somebody else comes and says, no, actually, you're a boy, even though you say that you feel like a girl, you know, that, right, that's right, just right, right. And that's, extremely that upsetting. Oppressing. That's forcing their truth on you. So, yes. Where was I going with this? What does that have we to do? We were talking about why Bob and Jeff can't be in the same church. Oh, Okay. Okay, so the way that he, the way that the author of this book describes we got here was not through um, all the Jeffs in the world. People reading, like me? Like reading and intentionally thinking and asking questions. It's not my fault? Most people do not learn how to answer questions like about themselves or about their culture or about reality or their beliefs through a systematic study and, um, and question and answer uh, Socratic method system, yeah. yeah. They, Most of them they learn it through what emotion? Well, feelings. He doesn't even really describe it that way. He calls it the. Uh, I'm gonna have to probably get the book to actually remember what he calls it, like the cultural conscious or something like that. I don't think that's right either. He actually has a very smart sounding term that I cannot recall. That's okay. Uh, and he says that most people, it's like it's basically through osmosis. You I'm just, just happy to know it's not my fault. Well, it's, I didn't say it wasn't your fault. You're just hearing that. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that this is what makes you weird. Most people, when they, when they change views about something or when they come to find a conclusion of some kind, it's not because they have, like, formulated it. It's not right. because they've they written it out. They haven't thought about it. It's not, yeah, it's not a very tight, organized, you know, decision that they've done. What is it? They just get tired of not knowing, so they land somewhere and say, no. good enough? No, even that, you're still doing the I'm Jeff thing. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. It's like, it's like it just suddenly feels right. So maybe emotion, maybe emotion does come into play there, but like... Wow. Like, okay, so he was, the example he gives over and over in the book is... How, how can you now have somebody in this age, like today, who can make a statement like, I am a man trapped in a woman's body? Right. How can you say How that? How does that happen? And have people not just, not only be like, not laughing at you, but right. actually kind of nodding thoughtfully. Nodding, like, and smiling. And trying to and understand. And encouraging you to continue to, yeah. to seek your truth. Right. right. He said his grandfather would have found that utterly ridiculous and had no problem telling anyone who said that right that he thought well, it was there's ridiculous. videos of old guys yes you know encountering these transgender people and right. saying you're just but what do usually they do full of profanity and, what do those men do and say when they're like when they're talking about how ridiculous it is do they outline like a philosophical argument and explain no, to you they why don't. they don't no. they just appeal to the fact that it's always been as they understand it if they do that, even they don't even they don't even feel like they need. They don't even try to justify their right. position. They <laughs> right. just say, "Yeah, you're you're sick. You need help. You're ridiculous. You're, you're yeah. ridiculous." That's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. Right, yeah. and so the, and his term for that is just that they they just come to believe that, and they don't right. have to justify it. They don't have to explain it. They don't have to unpack it. Right. And years and years ago, that was the dominant belief of everyone. Everybody just believed. That's ridiculous. What what I heard about My men gosh. and women's bodies. But that is so 
obviously that is so paper thin and easily disrupted right. because all you need is somebody to come along who takes a different position right. and doesn't have to justify it. Right. And there you go. Now we've got a whole culture of people who are like, well, why should I believe what you think? Your truth is different than my truth. Right. Right. And there's no argument for either side. Right. Well, and I'm only, I should mention like an eighth of the way through the book. So as far as how to deal with the fact that people don't usually make their decisions rationally, they make them through some sort of cultural, it's basically like this mass um they just go with Hypnosis. whatever the culture's doing. <laughs> yeah. they, just, they just ride the wave, it's right? It's mass understanding. It's just they this... Ride they ride the wave of culture. General general belief, like the dominant belief. Everybody's getting... Everybody in my culture is getting a nose ring, so I'm going to get a nose ring. Well, why are you getting a nose ring? That's not even the correct question. There's, right. There is no reason to ask that Now question. you're getting it. You don't even ask the question. Right. So... So why are you getting a tattoo? And then they just look at you like, what a dumb thing to say. We're at 44 minutes now. And so all of this finally understand all of this comes back to the question you asked, is this weird? And the answer is yes. And it, and what I said, or what I tried to say was only because nobody else is even asking that question. Right. Nobody's asking, why do I go to this church? Nobody's asking, is it weird to go to another church? Like just the fact that you even asked whether it was weird is a Jeff is thing weird. to do. Yeah, yep. that makes me a Jeff. That makes you a Jeff. There aren't many of you <laughs> that because makes John a Jeff. Because God made great many personalities, including you know, uh-huh. including Carl and Emmy and uh, and people don't even and peaches. they don't even think about it. They don't even think right to in, ask the question. Right so in the, and let us know what a peaches is. The fact the fact that I'm even contemplating it. That's make Jeff. is weird. You're Jeff. <clears throat> I mean, it's fine. God made you that way, and and everybody, every congregation, every Presbyterian and Baptist church. Well, yeah, I a can't Jeff. not think about it. I can't just will myself to not have these right. questions. But right, you can't. <laughs> and so off we will trot. Off we will go to another church on a Sunday morning in two weeks. <laughs> To be continued, we will find out what happens to all the we'll other let people. You know, we'll let you know what happens in a couple of weeks, <laughs> it Carl. Might be spectacular. <laughs> Jeff Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.